And now, Out Comes the Sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Out Comes the Sun podcast radio show. Uh, we're so excited. I'm Mariel Hemingway, and I'm here with my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi. Hello. And we, uh, this is a good show today. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. And we are, well, first of all, let me just say the special guest, just because I can't keep it contained. <laughs> so exciting. It's John Cleese. I mean, John Cleese is like the king of comedy, the king, literally the king of comedy. And we have such a great rapport with him. Anyway, I'm super excited to to uh, talk to him. And that's coming up in a few minutes. But right now we are going to kind of update our lives. A little catch up, a little catch up, my friend. A little catch up. Catch up. <laughs> yeah. Winter. Supposed to a little mustard, a little mustard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So you know, what have been up to life and what have I been up to? Gosh, it seems so crazy. So Bobby, you know, our friend Bobby, Bobby Williams, who was a guest on our show, who by the way is going to become a guest once a month, just because everybody loves his little tips. They love wow. to get mad about his tips and they love to love his tips. They want to argue with him about them. It was funny. Somebody was saying uh, the other day, uh, somebody said to me yesterday, uh, he, who does a podcast and a radio show, they said, um, you know, Bobby's great because he comes up with these very adamant like things about life like, yes. you know he said in, in our show when you wake up in the morning like stretch because it causes glycogen to go into your body and you don't have to eat whatever but a lot of times he will mention something very you know very succinct it's very like condensed and it's a thing about living life right yeah and um but people either agree with it and get very excited or they argue and he said, you know, it's great in, in podcasts. You want that's what you want on the Internet. You want somebody to argue with you. And I, and I was just thinking to myself, I thought, oh, I, I don't I don't like it when people get mad. <laughs> so I'm going to be much more diplomatic. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that. I, you know, I don't I don't mind a good debate. Yeah. An argument's different. An argument is where the person's pushing his or her agenda without any regard to what you're saying. A debate is where they're just getting across their point of view, intrigued by where how you came to your own conclusion. That I'm, I always welcome. An argument, you know, it's too nauseating. And, you know, by the way, because the nerves between the heart and the stomach are so closely aligned, when someone's arguing mm -hmm. with you, you feel sick to your stomach. Because it, it's an emotional impact and then you get nauseated. I don't, I don't want it. But debates, let's go. <laughs> well, you're the best. You you truly are. And you also can delineate between what is a debate and what is an argument, you know, and, and a yeah. debate is healthy and it's healthy. It, it something that we are losing. Um, we are losing a bit in, in the world that we live in because debate becomes about your belief systems, which I mean, in some ways it is about your belief systems, but it's also how you know, how you get to different conclusions in life. Right. I mean, you and I debate, we talk about things. Yes. Sometimes I think I 
have an awareness of something and then you'll bring up some other side of it. Maybe it's political. Maybe it's this that, or the other thing. And then I see things from a different perspective. Right. Yep. But I feel like we're in this place in society or in the world that we live in where debate, conversation, having conversation about anything that might be a little bit, I don't know, political or whatever, health or something yeah. controversial in some ways. And we're not allowed to have that conversation. I think we've talked about this before, but I'm it 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 really makes me a little sad because yeah. I think that how can kids learn if they can't ask questions about things that they don't quite understand? Well, and if you're villainized by asking an, uh, a seemingly innocuous question, genuinely interested in knowing something, and it, it's some unbeknownst to you, it's now taken as an assault or an incorrect thing to say, and so you become very guarded. Well, not me. I mean, I don't mind if I'm politically incorrect sometimes, but I'll tell you what, I never have a malicious heart. And I think that's what we've got to get to. If someone's asking a question, but they don't have a malicious heart, then let's get back to understanding the true question as opposed to the words and the implications from whatever political correctness or whatever is being said now. It's, a, it's an interesting topic. You know, I, um, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing conversation I have with my kids. And I have, I have a son in college, a daughter who's just out of college, but now reside, currently residing in Europe. And it's, I've been asking my daughters in Europe, is this a conversation that takes place over there? And she said, not nearly as much as it does back in the States, but it is, it is, there's an awareness of it because, you know, we're so tied in with our entertainment industry and our, whatever that is, we, so we hear about it from either side. But I, I am, um, I, I don't, I think the only right answer, in my opinion, you and I've talked about this it, is um, being true to yourself and being kind. Yes. And if you, and, and like you just said, if you're coming from a generous and good heart, yeah, and you don't mean anything malicious. Yeah. You're not trying to put somebody in a corner and judge them and right. you know, I don't know, berate them. Then it's just then that's healthy. And I think that we really need to educate kids. You know, I think about my now I have a granddaughter. I mean, it'll be a few years, but it's like that for me will be a key sort of if I can share that ability yeah. to be open and 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 also for her to be heard my granddaughter to be heard in life and and what it under what that means to be heard but also i think we have to teach listening i think listening oh, yeah. is part of that you know i think people don't listen because they have something to say and it's far more important to get to what they want to say so they don't listen to you that's right i mean it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey in the radio show and the and and what we're doing here is I realize in listening back on our shows I need and listening is so important to me but I need to be a better listener right that that's one of those keys that you need to really become aware of and humble towards right yeah. you, you there's a humility towards listening and it and it means you don't need to chime in. Maybe you don't need to have an opinion about somebody else's experience. Maybe you just need to listen. Yep. You know, that's an interesting uh, exercise. It's a discipline for sure. I want to share with you, and uh, you're, you're, as you were speaking, I was listening, but I was also thinking of saying this. 
because I thought this would marry well with what you had just shared. Um, you were listening. So. My in-laws, and, and we have a, a brief moment. I won't drag it out too long, but my in-laws um, had a request. My father-in-law and mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is Japanese. They had never been to Manzanar, an internment camp in on the way to Mammoth in California. Oh, and wow. so my husband and I drove them there to see Manzanar, the internment camp. My mother-in-law was overwhelmed by the information there. And she was saying, so if we were here, it, I would be here. And I said, well, and today I would be here because your husband, your son is part Japanese. So I would, and I'm married to him, so I would be here. And it was an overwhelming sensation for her. And as we drove home, and about almost a four hour drive, we drove home very quietly. Um, there was all, all of us were thinking, really thinking about what we just experienced. And the quietness allowed for so much conversation later. So to add to what you're saying about being quiet, and really letting the information soak in allows you so much more rhetoric. And, and yeah, absolutely. The listening becomes the, can lead into that silence, which is that settling. It's like settling. Yeah, it, that's a very good point. It's a settling of information. Yeah. And then you can extrapolate what meant something to you. Right. And then you can have a deeper conversation. But I also heard that on your drive home, you were laughing hysterically uh, and your in-laws didn't even realize it. Because yeah. <laughs> you were in the front seat laughing your heinies off, which yes. I love because that's what I love about you and Billy and, and Bobby and I. We, all, we have this. I just think a healthy relationship is one where. You laugh kind of almost about nothing. About you know, nothing. And I every day will be in hysterics and it won't, he'll start laughing. His mouth is like big as the house. And, you know, and then I just look at him. I don't know what we're laughing about. And then we start laughing matter. and it becomes. It doesn't even thing. matter, does it? It doesn't even matter after a while. You and I, we're, we've got an, an, a guest coming up that I know we want to bring in, but we, we're, we're gonna, we have another topic at one point. We've got to remember the time that you and Bobby and I were sitting at Air One with blankets over our head laughing. we got to share that with our audience one day. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Shut up. Who's coming? <laughs> guess who's coming for dinner? Go ahead. Guess who's coming? Well, Guess what? We have John Cleese, my friends. We have John Cleese coming up in just a minute. So let us take a break and you will have one of the best times in your life. I know it. I just know it. You're going to be driving to work, listening and thinking, what a great human. Welcome to the Jeremiah Show, and out comes the sun with Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Our special guest today is so important. <laughs> so very, very cool. But today, we've brought our two shows together. 
our two radio shows together to celebrate the comedy icon. Our very special guest today is John Cleese. He thank, is one you. Of thank you. Thank you, fans. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Take a bow. Take a bow. Uh, he's one of the most recognized and popular comic actors in the world. In fact, the father. What do you mean, one, one of the? <laughs> I'm going to get to that. Who wrote this dribble? I'm not. No, no, Jeremiah. We had we did a deal before this, Frey. You were going to be nice. I'm not going to be able to get through this. Am I? Should I just give up now? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. He's on a list of fifty of the most revered names in entertainment. Fifty uh, of the most. Yeah. More than 300 comedians, comedy writers, producers, and directors on both sides of the Atlantic have not named John Cleese. I better not tell you this. Number two, John, on the li list of the world's most talented comedians. And it was compiled for Channel 4. The I hope number one is dead. <laughs> number in fact, number one is dead. So you're really oh good. So what are you talking about? What's this number two nonsense? <laughs> I guess they gave him the they gave him number one. <laughs> they gave him number one, even though he's dead. Um, oh my god! So I don't know if I'm going to get through this, but John, you can call me the X number two now. The number one. <laughs> <laughs> We listen, you want to take charge because this Jeremiah guy's hopeless. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I feel like I got to speed, speed, uh, speed up a little bit so I can get through this. John Cleese is probably best known for his television work on Monty Python's Flying Circus and Faulty Towers. If you ask anyone under 20 who John Cleese is, they give you a quizzical look at first, and when you say, Nick, the nearly headless ghost in the Harry Potter film series. They light up and shout, I love John Cleese. <laughs> this, this is a true story. Uh, John has appeared in numerous movies, including Time Bandits, Silverado, The Out of Towners, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. He had leading roles in several comedies, such as A Fish Called Wanda, which is a cult classic and happens to be my dad's favorite movie of all time. He's done voice work in numerous films, including the Shrek series, as well as Charlotte's Web and Trolls. And when I first met John, I called him Mr. Cleese. And I asked him, may I call you John? And he replied, yes, but please alternate between Mr. Cleese and John. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, John, uh, to the show. We got, I got to <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't too hard on you, was it? You're number one. We no, just, no, it's fine. It's well, you can do a bit more fawning later on, but that's enough for the time being. All right, John. So here's my question. I want to lead off here with: They say that tragedy and time plus time equals comedy. Uh huh. And it feels like we have tragedy all of the time now. How do mm -hmm. we get back to the comedy, John? That's a very good question. Seriously, I, I was reading something yesterday and there was a list of all the comedy shows on BBC in 1991, 31 years ago. And there were nine or ten good natured, funny, likable comedies. And now I can't name one. 
Mm, I know. I mean, it's partly because the people in charge, as usual, have absolutely no idea what they're doing. But I think it's uh, it's it's something about the times. I mean, these are terribly anxious times, and politically, it's very very worrying. You see, I once helped a psychiatrist write two books about psychology, psychiatry, and the thing I learned, which stuck in my mind, is there's a stress chart that is uh, produced. Um, for the health companies, you know, uh, by statisticians, and it's this thing that causes you the you the most stress. Stress, for example, uh, death of of a spouse is a hundred points. You know, losing a job is seventy eight or something like that. Mm. And what I discovered, and this is the shocking thing, was that. Um, an increase in the number of rows you have on a regular basis with your wife. Most people have a, a, a row with their spouse, you know, uh, in a month so many times. But an increase costs you 38 points. And a decrease in the number of rows you're having with your wife or spouse costs you 38 points. In other words, the stress is not whether the change is good or bad, it's just the change. Interesting. I think we're living in times that are so stressed and so changed that people are desperate to look for uh, uh, an authority figure to make them feel safer. And of course, they're choosing exactly the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So that's a sort of, uh, that's my serious answer to it. But I think that uh, James Thurber, whom I adore and who's been rather forgotten in America, he's a yes. wonderfully funny writer. He wants to find, um, let me get this right, he defined comedy as tragedy recalled in tranquility. Mm. In other words, something that at the time yeah. <laughs> So absolutely awful. Right. Later, when you're free of it, you can sit back and have a laugh, which reminds you that it doesn't really matter. But at the time, you think it does. Oh. Well, you know, what's so interesting about what you're saying is that, you know, I think what's so difficult about this, this period in our, in our history is the fact that we're, and I, and, and I was wondering as a comedian, if you feel this, is that, you know, you mentioned that there are less shows that are funny and, you know, what have you. And you can't talk about things anymore. You're not allowed to oh, that or, you know, like there's so I, I, many taboos. It's crazy. I find it, I find it in, absolutely incredible what, what is going on in terms of people not being allowed to speak because the basic, look, they're, human beings are frail, stupid, lazy, incompetent, but ultimately quite lovable people. You know what I mean? We're a mess. We're all a complete mess. And, and that's okay. You know, that's, that's not such a, such a bad thing as all that. But to think that anyone can ever come up with some kind of political organization that is really intelligent. Uh, it's a waste of time. Of course, it isn't going to be. Everybody's going to cheat on voting and all this kind of thing. It, it, you, you can't come up here. And, and I think some of the uh, very progressive people say that liberalism has failed. No, no. 
No, human nature has failed. Yes. Because there's no system that you can set up that we humans can't fuck up in about 15 minutes. So we just got to go with the best we've got. And the best we've got, I think, is liberal democracy. And the idea behind liberal democracy, like Voltaire said, you know, I will defend your to my to give my life to defend your right to 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 say things I disagree with. That it should be about people talking to each other and trying to find common ground. Yes, and we've almost lost that. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, and then in sweeps AI, hmm? <laughs> and in sweeps artificial intelligence to kind of fill the gap. There, it's yeah. a set, it feels like a setup. It feels like a setup. You know, we 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 blocked ourselves so much. And then yes. artificial intelligence is going to come in and fill in the gaps with more precision than we but could. You and see, that we've, we've created a society where people are largely treated like robots and they behave like robots. That's right. And if you if you are treated like a robot and, and you behave like a robot, then there's no problem about replacing you with a robot. That's right. So all, the, all the more humanitarian parts of life you know, sitting at dinner with friends, enjoying a glass of wine and laughing. That doesn't matter anymore because you've got to be coming, got to be coming richer and more powerful. People who are rich and powerful are not happy people. This is true. Yeah, my old friend, the screenwriter, William Goldman, he had a conversation with a doorman in one of those apartments in New York where, uh, you know, they, 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 the condominiums and he, he, he went to meet a friend and he got, fell in the conversation with the doorman and the doorman said, you know, half the people in this building, they're billionaires. He said, and I see them every morning and every evening coming in, coming out, coming in. Never a smile. Yeah. Never a smile. Never a thank you. No, no gratitude. Yeah. No. no eye contact. Yeah. It's very. No scary. eye contact. And people kids, sort of pretend, Mariel, pretending that they're better than other people because yes. they have money. Yeah. And I mean, it's so unbelievably ludicrous. And yet people believe it. Yeah. And, that, and then we've set up a social media system that just buys into that. Like, oh, we're teaching children that that actually does matter. And it doesn't matter. And yeah. they, don't know. they have no. no clue that it's all smoke and mirrors and fake. And it's, well, it's social media has become the golden calf. Yeah, yeah, well, it's it's a terrible business of people trying to pretend they're more beautiful and more intelligent and more accomplished than they are. You know, we don't have to be particularly beautiful, intelligent, or accomplished. We can have a good life. That's right. That's not what anyone's telling us. We're all being told we're in this very competitive world, and I think it's, the competitiveness of America is is kind of compulsive. It's kind of knee-jerk competitiveness, yes. you know. It's like the male peacocks, you know. They used to <laughs> attract, the, attract the peacock hens with their tails. And, and the one with the biggest tail got the most hens until in the end he couldn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> Exhausted tail. <laughs> it's so true. Wow. Uh, so I don't know what we do about it, except we try to laugh. And I think we try to tell people when people are growing up, we try and say to kids, find something that you really going to enjoy doing. Yes. yes. 
you can be very happy on much less money than you think. That's exactly right. You something know, do something you soon. When you wake up in the morning, you think to yourself, actually, this is going to be quite interesting today. If you do that and find a nice person to live with, you're going to have a very good life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's yeah, it's it's a, it's a bizarre time. But your your laughter and your sense of joy is so powerful. And 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 I think that that's missing in so many people's lives. And I mean, I know that I know you have a show, a new show that you say that we probably won't see in America, but I think we will. And also we are heard in England now, apparently. So that's pretty cool. But I was wondering, could tell us a little bit about your show, like what what you're doing, like what well, is this new new channel, which has got a reputation of being right wing, and actually it's genuinely free speech, but a lot of it is right wing and rubbish. Um, they came to me and they said, "Why don't you uh, Why don't you make ten programs for us, um, and you can do whatever you like." So what are you doing? Is it a is it I said yeah, I said yes, I'd like to do, I'd like to do this. I'd like to have some people on television who I know a bit and who I think are very bright talking about things that are much more intelligent than we normally talk about on television. Brilliant. The first show I've got about four absolutely top people, absolutely top to to really to explain to the British public how awful and completely destructive our newspapers are yeah and that's going to be the full first hour at the end of which uh, i think the, the viewers are going to think maybe this isn't such a right-wing channel and then the next program i would like to do would be about psi phenomena because i'm very interested in all these things like remote viewing Yes. And precognition. And I know a lot of the top people because I've been interested for a long time. I know the people in the DOPS department at the University of Virginia and Dean Radin and a lot of absolutely terrific top people. And I want to present this to the, the English audience and say, did you know that this the existence of these psi, psi phenomena has been proved beyond any doubt statistically? And the, the reason we don't talk about it, Meryl, as you were saying, we don't talk about it is because the scientists refuse to believe this irrefutable evidence for one reason. They can't explain it. They can't explain it or they can't control it. Too. Ah, yeah, true. True. Right? Wow. But they can't explain things oh, yeah. and then they want to believe that they can believe uh, that they can uh, explain everything. In fact, I have a sketch that starts, we scientists, you know, I love them when they <laughs> say, we scientists now know that we don't know very much. That would be a really happy day because they all think they know lots. They're not interested in the philosophy of science. They just want to go do science without actually examining the underlying assumptions in science. And if they did, they'd realize that it's an extraordinarily useful tool and it doesn't explain anything that's really important. Right. Hmm? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Next, we're going to replace this. The next script will be We Doctors. 
We doctors. <laughs> now know that we make a lot of money. We make a lot of money and a lot of mistakes, but we don't tell you that. Oh, yes. Yeah, there is a great, a great, uh, it's very funny. I once said to a doctor friend of mine in Santa Barbara, I said, I don't think that 85% uh, of the people in any given profession don't really know what they're doing. And he said to me, oh, no, he was a doctor. He said, no, no, I think you're much higher. So I went off and I looked at the statistics. And every day in the United States of America, the number of people who die due to medical errors is the equivalent of two jumbo jets crashing out of the sky every day. Every day, every day. Every day medical errors. Yes. And of course. Of course, they're going to make yeah. mistakes. They're human beings. They're yes. going to screw things up here and there. So the good ones screw up less. But I think it's <laughs> terrible that they often sometimes get sued just because people, somebody dies, the people in the family uh, think the treatment could have been better. It probably could. So sue them, but don't give them a uh, huge, huge, huge sums of money because then it gets like what we have in England football pools. A small number of people win huge amounts of yes. money. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know, they're going to be mistakes. And if there are mistakes, then let's try and cut down on the number of mistakes. But we're never going to cut out mistakes completely. One of the funniest things I ever heard, I went down to a little island in between England and France called the Channel Islands. And during the war, it was occupied by the Germans, by the Nazis. And it's a little island with lots of sorts of windy roads. And you know what happened? The German vehicles started having lots of accidents because they were used to driving a little windy British road. And Hitler got very angry about the number of accidents were happening. So he forbade people to have accidents. Oh, I mean, that is. <laughs> that um, I could have used that when I was parenting my children. <laughs> Had I known that was an option. Yeah. <laughs> but we are we are very fragile people and we make a lot of mistakes. And if we're smart, we learn from the mistake. That's right. There yes. was a great British historian called Isaiah Berlin who made a distinction between two types of people, the uh, hedgehogs and the foxes. You know this? And no. the foxes don't pretend to know the whole thing. They know just little bits here and there, and they're always learning from their mistakes so they get better and better. And the hedgehogs have got one huge idea, and they never, ever question it, like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> That's awesome. The moral of the story is, folks, yeah, don't look to the cute little hedgehog, no matter how nimble he may, he may appear. <laughs> <laughs> well when we when we're talking about as we were earlier about comedy and an, an idea came to mind on about the concept of joy and mm -hmm. although it may seem a, a broad stroke question i do have a question for you what or dare i say who brings you joy and love in your life I think the main thing is I married um, a, a, a wonderful one-off woman <laughs> whom I call fish, and she <laughs> like a fish. And what we both discovered 
after we've been dating for a bit, is that the two of us, quite individually and quite separately, had had the largest collections of stuffed animals, of soft toys. What's that? I'm so sorry. Anyway, we discovered after we'd been dating that we each had a huge um, uh, collection of stuffed toys. No way. Really? Yes. Dragons and 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 uh, lots and lots of uh, bears and and every giraffes with our our flat now when we put the two collections together it's like the world's biggest soft toy museum and I'm telling you this because I uh, this psychiatrist I wrote the book he said. People consist of three parts. There's a kind of wiser part that doesn't turn up very often, but it's sort of there when people can go quiet and really think about important things. Then there's uh, the parent, and that's the one who makes all the arrangements, makes the money, makes sure that the things are repaired and that the children get to school on time and takes them to the dentist or that. And then there's the child. And the child understands wonder and, and and joy and is terribly good at playing. And he said, "We you lose those as you get older if you take yourself too seriously. 100%. I so we, we spend an awful lot of time hiding and jumping out at each other. <laughs> yeah. We, we stayed at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore, and the staff I discovered absolutely loved us because they'd never seen an 83-year-old man hiding behind <laughs> pillars and jumping out, you see. It makes everybody smile. It does make everybody smile. My, my uh, significant other, my husband, for lack of a better term, um, he and I play all the time. We laugh. We have right? the fall laughter every single day. And it's it's amazing. I remember when I first met him and I I had raised kids and been in a marriage and been very serious. And when I first met him, he he hid in the house like he hid and he jumped uh, out, you know, like did what you were talking about. And I was I was so shy. I was like, what are you doing? And first I was so I was. You know, like it freaked me out. And then, you know, we play hide and seek and, yeah. you know, it's crazy. And it's so, I, we laugh every day and it's so important. I mean, because what. It, Mariel, it reminds you that, you that there's joy in the present moment. That's Absolutely. right. This is why Clee says that it is much, much smarter to have pets than to have children. <laughs> you know, because you don't have to educate pets, and they're much nicer and much more fun. <laughs> and they purr and run around, and uh, you throw a stick for a dog, and it runs after the stick and brings it back. And you throw a stick for a cat, and the cat says, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> They're wonderful pets. I always say I'd rather lose a friend than a pet, you know, because yeah. you can always make another friend. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so- <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you, you see, the thing is, if you get in an atmosphere like this now, where we're just giggling and being silly, right. not not trying to show off. What happens is it's very hard for anyone to come into this atmosphere and pretend that they're very important. Yes. And that is why, right, why pompous people like to be pompous, because it means they can be self-important. Right. Yeah, everyone around them is giggling that they can't get away with it. So they want yeah. solemnity and, and my, look how important I am. Siri, I'm yeah. serious. I'm an adult. We yeah. don't trust I those. Don't ever become an adult. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my motto. Awful. I mean, the things that do. Like, <laughs> 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 there was a movie when I did that. Somebody said to me, you can't. It was Rat Race. You can't do that. And I said, I can do anything I like. Because <laughs> 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 I'm rich. Bitch. <laughs> 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 That's right. Oh, my God. So much fun. Have you got a question? Well, Mike, my, I don't have a question. I'm watching the clock for you because I know you told me if you can't get to dinner on time, I'm going to really be in trouble. I'm going to get it. So it is now. So, well, let me, if we were going to end, I would say this. Years ago, I was learning to drive much, much later than most people do. I think it, I was about 38. I never bothered to drive. I just used to take cabs. And uh, I was being taught by a lovely man who was a batman during the war. That's the personal servant that uh, is, is given by the army to very high-ranking officers. And he adored the guy, the general that he worked for. And the general said to him, because his name was Walter, he said, Walter, what you have to uh, remember in life is that most things don't matter much. And no, no, sorry, that some things matter a bit, but most things don't matter at all. And if you, I say often to myself when something irritating happens, I find my almost reflex now, like a knee jerk. I say, does it really matter? And you know, it almost never does. I love that. Great final words by the great John Cleese. The great, the, the uh, <laughs> don't stop. icon. I'm Mr. an icon. The icon, Mr. Cleese. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a number legend, one. Number one comedian legend. in the world. I, I oh. am an ex number two. And <laughs> I, I am also something. Oh, yes, I'm an institution. Cleese <laughs> 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 <Please> said money. Dot <laughs> 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 org. .org. Yes. I've actually thought of starting a church because I think that's the way to get really, really, <laughs> really much work. And I've got the right initials, you see. It would be the church. You do? <laughs> hey, listen, a little sidebar. Jeremiah and I were talking and he had sent a text to the, uh, the three of us were on a group chat and he had sent a text. Jeremiah, I'm going to tell us. And he sent this text saying something about JC. And I texted back John and he said, yes, JC equals John Cleese. And I said, well, crap, I had 10 questions for Jesus. So yes, you're right. You're with <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, dear. John, thank you so much and have a great day. That was fun, wasn't it? But it I don't Mary, want to let you. I don't want Mary, to let you. Where are you? I am in, I am in Los Angeles now. Good. I also am in Idaho, but I'm in Los Angeles right now. Yeah. Good. And Melissa, where are you? I'm in Westlake Village, California. It's like 45 oh, minutes. Oh, great. 
Yeah. Well, listen, uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, let me think, uh, middle, uh, no, the later August, I'll be in L.A. Oh. So why don't we all have dinner together and, oh. and Jeremiah can pay? <laughs> <laughs> it's the best plan I've heard all day. I love right. that idea. I'm in. I'm Let's in. Start. Jeremiah, I'll be in touch when I need you. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and take it. I love it. If you throw throw them at me, John, I'll take them all. And I'll pay I, for know, I know what a nice guy you are because my daughter, who is quite picky, thinks you're great. Oh, all right. Nice. So I'm prepared to take a word for it, despite <laughs> what I've seen with my own eyes. <laughs> Despite the yes. fact that your daughter doesn't catch the stick when you throw it. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm off to have an Indian curry and then I'm oh. getting it every night because I'm 83. I love it. <laughs> I got to right. eat. I mean, otherwise I should die hungry. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> hey, John. Right, 83. I think we'll all agree. I, I want to thank you for <laughs> making us laugh for the last half hour. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing. Thank Enjoy. you. Enjoy the curry. I'll go away. <laughs> uh, he's, he's great. I love him. I wonder if you have a copy of Barnaby Budge. No, as I say, we're right out of Edmund Wells. Uh, no, not Edmund Wells. Charles Dickens. <laughs> Charles Dickens? Yes. You mean Barnaby Rudd? Uh, no, Barnaby Budge by Charles Dickens. That's Dickens with two Ks, the well-known Dutchel. No, no, we don't have Barnaby Budge by Charles Dickens with two Ks, the well-known Dutchel. And perhaps to save time, I should add right away that we don't have Carnaby Fudge by Charles Dickens or Stickwick Staples by Miles Pickens with four M's and a silent Q. Why don't you try the chemist? I have. They sent me here. Did they? I wonder if you have the amazing adventures of Captain Gladys Stoke pamphlet and her intrepid spaniel Stig among the giant pygmies of Portica, volume two. No, no, we don't have that one. Funny, we've got quite a lot of books here. Yes, haven't you? Well, I mustn't keep you standing around all day chatting. No, no, we haven't. No, no, well, we're closing for lunch but now. But I thought I saw it over there. Where? Over there. What? Olson's Standard Book of British Birds. Olson's Standard Book of British Birds? Yes. O-L-S-E-N? Yes. B-I-R-D-S? Yes. Yes, well, we do have that one. The expurgated version, of course. <laughs> Welcome back to Outcomes the Sun radio podcast. That was an amazing guest. Thank you for joining us with John Cleese. That was incredible. And now we have the great good pleasure of listening to my partner, Melissa Yamaguchi, giving us a tip of the week. So go ahead. Well, I am very excited to share this tip with you. Um, from energetically from now until May 5th on Cinco de Mayo. From all the way until that time, we have a good break here for us to really kind of focus in on our wants and and not and unwants. 
Is that a word? But what we want to have happen in our life, what we're drawn to in our lives, the things that we are thinking about or that we already have that work for us, we have to really focus on bringing more of that into our lives and not spending so much of our time focusing on what we don't want. But on the flip side, we do need to identify what we don't want in our lives, either not to have it happen or if it's currently happening and we don't want it anymore or if it's a past issue that has resurrected itself. Once we've made an identification of what we want and don't want in our lives, then we have to place, we, we, we make an announcement energetically, make an announcement on what, what it is that you recognize you no longer want, right? It'd be, it'd be, it's a worthwhile practice to write it down so that you can see it. And sometimes we don't acknowledge it until we've seen it, the tactile practice of putting it on the paper. This yeah. is what I do not, I no longer want in my life. It doesn't serve me. And then you can, you can do something dramatic and cut up the paper, burn it, but really you can just throw it away. And then on the flip side, you really need to identify, this is what I, I have in my life. This is what I want to keep in my life. This is what I, I welcome into my life. When we place our focus there, people get very um, tripped up on the word manifestation. And, and, but when those who have faith in a belief system, whatever modality it comes across in, when you, it's been proven, when we place our focus on something, we have a greater chance of its arrival into our lives. So it's about placing our focus on these items we want. And the way that the energy from the earth emanates, yeah. we have a really strong, powerful support right now to kind of project us in forward with what we want in our lives. So my hope for our audience and for all of those we love is to really focus on what you want right now. Really focus in on it and, and lay your attention there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Outcomes the Sun. We are now going to hear one of the most amazing people I know in my life. Mariel Hemingway is going to share. Mariel's got a wealth of information on health and wellness, so she's going to give us a tip of the week. Mariel. Tip of the week. Well, I loved yours. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm thinking about what I got to get rid of, what I get rid of. <laughs> but one of the things that I think uh, my tip of the week is about getting light in your eyes. Pretty simple. Sunlight in your eyes. Out comes the sun. It's so incredibly important. Um, it just, it, it balances your circadian rhythm. It helps you to sleep. It's so powerful. It also um, regulates uh, cortisol in the body. So getting light into your eyes, especially sunlight. And, and when I say sunlight, you know, sometimes it's, it's overcast, Good but point. just the bright light in the sky you can look at. And it, it, it's powerful. It is a, it's a powerful practice that, gosh, um, 
I have to say, being in Southern California and we've got a roof deck, I'm super fortunate to have this incredible place that Bobby found for us. And I go up to the roof deck in the morning. And even when it's overcast, the, yeah. you, you can feel when the sun is behind those clouds and looking at that bright spot is all is just as good. It enable it gets that light into into your eyes and it's powerful. It you you have no idea. It regulates hormones. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. And it's also good for your eyesight, which, you know, I mean, these they're it's a simple, simple mm-hmm. thing. But we don't realize that those are the those are the keys to, you know, getting getting through your day in a, in a positive way. So, uh, you know, my tips for the next few weeks are going to be about morning tips, things that I do in the morning that Bobby and I do in the morning. And they're, they're related to the seven doctors, you know, we've talked about that in, in other uh, episodes of the, of the show. Um, It's just so important. So get, get light in your eyes. Also light at the end of the day, is is powerful too if you're not a morning kind of person but that morning light it's really important to just get it even if it's after the sunrise right Mm -hmm. but you get up at nine say eight or nine you still go out as soon as you can and get that light in your eyes because that regulates that kind of tempers the cortisol we need cortisol but it tempers it and it doesn't make it go crazy and it, it is just so incredibly healthy. And then watching a sunset, watching the sun go down at a certain time also helps. It helps the circadian rhythm. It, rem- it tells the body, oh, this we're winding down. It's the end of the day. And that's when everything gets quieter. And one, one thing that I, I like to do is um, on my computer, because, you know, we are we're watching television shows or whatever, Netflix or, or, you know, Amazon or Apple TV, whatever. Um, I have a blue light filter on my computer that towards, you know, sunset, the end Mm -hmm. of the end of the day, evening, uh, I will put that blue light filter on. Blue light is okay during the day, but in the evening, you don't want to be getting, because that's telling your body, oh, it's, you know, it's daytime. Yep. So that's the eyes are powerful. It's powerful regulation. Can I ask you a question? How yeah. long? How long do you look into the light? Well, in the morning, you yeah. you're safe to look in the in in the light for an hour uh, after sunrise. Now, if you get up later than that, don't look directly into the sun. Look into that into a bright area around the sun. You don't okay. look into it. It's not as dangerous as we were told as kids. You're not going to burn your eyeballs out. It was I mean, only the eclipse, right? The solar yeah. eclipse. <laughs> yeah, there's some some crazy time that we were all going to die if we looked at the sun. I remember thinking, oh my God. <laughs> but it's actually not true. And yeah, so an hour before or an hour after sunrise and an hour before or after sunset. Brilliant. Really healthy and really, really good. Brilliant. Thank you. That's for that, my man. Tip. Listen, everyone, this has been such a great show. I'm so excited. And uh, I just want to thank you all for tuning in and listening to us on Outcomes of Sun Radio. I want to thank Jeremiah, our incredible executive producer, who we kind of merged in the middle here with John Cleese. I want to thank John Cleese, who uh, is an extraordinary human being. I will 
continue to laugh throughout the rest of the day because he's just that he's just that good. <laughs> he really is. He really is. So thank you all. I hope you really enjoyed it. And we look forward to talking to you next week. If you want to help, uh, help my foundation, go to MarielHemingwayFoundation.org, make a donation. We'll become a resource navigator. That's something that we're very interested in helping you do for mental health so we can give you options and solutions. And thank you so much. And have an incredible day. Out Comes the Sun has been a production of Evolve Entertainment. Hosts, Mariel Hemingway and Melissa Yamaguchi. Executive producer, Jeremiah Higgins. Sound engineer and producer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. And sound engineer, Slater Smith. Thank you for listening. 